Thanks, Brent. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Cover my PowerPoint up, thanks. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, yes, so certainly I want to start off by acknowledging the elders past and present of the Wurundjeri uh, William tribes that uh, meet, you know, sort of on the land in which we're meeting on. Um, certainly I want to also pass, uh, you know, acknowledge the past and present elders that we have of our Monty Community Church as well. Um, you know, and, um, and thank you for certainly all of you who are here this morning. Um, I appreciate that this Father's Day um, may be also a day of mixed emotions um, because the origin of Father's Day was actually to remember fathers that are no longer with us. And certainly there have also, you know, different people's um, experiences of family might be, have different ideas of fathers as well. And, um, and so if the term father is uh, something that is uncomfortable for you or painful, please substitute for, you know, something else that, um, you know, just of a person that you feel nurtured and supported by. So the Bible passage that uh, I had Brent um, read earlier um, is Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 and 17 to 19. Uh, feel free to turn to those in, in your Bible. This will be the framing passage in which I'll be using this sermon for. So, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us before the beginning of the world to be adopted as his sons in accordance with his pleasure and will. In pray, you know, to the praise of his glorious grace that he has freely given, given to us. Oops, not keeping up with that. Oh, sorry. Um, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Oh, I already said that bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power to us who believe. Now, we've been covering um, over these last hundred weeks, it seems, um, you know, the series uh, 40 Days in the Word. You know, and it's, been, it's about teaching us to get the most out of the Bible. And because sometimes you know, people find this book hard to even pick up. Some of them are pretty big and thick and heavy. Um, but you know, really to read it. And so far we've covered uh, the different areas of inspiration of the scripture. Why we know we can trust the Bible you know, as God's word. And we looked at scientific, historical and you know, other reasons for that. We looked at the Bible's foundation. 
why God gave it to us to transform our lives. Illumination, how God shows us through the Bible, through his Holy Spirit, you know, to see what he wants us to see in the Bible. And Raph last week talked about distribution, how valuable it is for others and ourselves to share the Bible and the Gospel with others. Now, although this package is very American, it's based on rich historical, you know, sort of like traditions, you know, in making sense of the Bible. So in 3rd century, there was a guy called Origen um, who was so committed to the Bible, actually cut off part of his body, <coughs> um, you know, and he suggested that we need to not just skim read it, but read it, meditate on it, you know, and pray about it and reflect more on the Bible. And so today we're looking at, at these keys of studying the Bible. We've also a kind of like behind the scenes kind of look at how preachers prepare for sermons. And the four keys are observation, interpretation, correlation and application. Now, you've probably all thought this question, maybe you've never voiced it out loud, but how do you judge a good sermon? Um, and if we probably had time, I'd probably ask some of you answers. Uh, for it, but um, we might be kind of pushing it, so we'll see how we go with, with just moving on at this stage. But the reality is that sometimes we judge a good sermon by just how entertaining the person is up the front, or how packed with information and trivial kind of stuff that, you know, perks our interest, rather than really look at how it impacts on ourselves, on our lives and the lives of people around us. Now, the Bible and God are very focused on changing lives. And so that's why application is so vital to this. Now, this is my test for sermons. Um, it's something I've shared with a number of people before. And, um, and I'm happy for you to use this to judge today's sermon. Yeah. But does it tell us or make us think about something about God or ourselves that one, you didn't know or wouldn't have thought about before hearing this. Because often, a lot of sermons are just telling us stuff that we already know or could kind of guess at. And two, whether or not new or further action is taken by us to live and act more like Jesus. So back to the Bible study keys. Uh, first of all, it says that we need to read and observe what the text actually says. And in our Bible study groups, and if you're not part of one, please talk to Dave or someone else who's leading a Bible study, um, you know, and that we've been covering these different ways of observing the test. Right? And to get the most of the Bible, again, it's not about skimming or speed reading, but really taking your time to observe what the words are. The second step of interpretation, uh, oh, second step is interpretation. And as we saw in this text that uh, I, we read a number of times now, uh, that it's about so that we may know God more. We may know God better so we can live more like him. 
And that's why interpretation is important. Now, so you can sound smarter, alright, the technical term for interpretation is exegesis, alright. Uh, can everyone say that? Exegesis. Excellent, alright. Some of you have come across the word many times before, I'm sure. Um, the Oxford Dictionary, as Raph always says, it's important to get a dictionary definition, um, is the critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially that of Scripture. Uh, technically, exegesis is a subset of the uh, area of study called hermeneutics, but that's too long a word for me to put up on the slide and for you too, so you don't need to worry about that. Um, but there are many people who believe they know the Bible inside out. You know, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt... You know, they've learnt about it in Sunday school or watched a, you know, a video on YouTube and uh, think they know everything there is to know about the Bible. You know, that's a bit like saying that, yeah, I learnt science at primary school. I don't need to know anything more about science from then on. You know, that there's nothing new that it can teach me. Now, I'm actually glad I've got at least two sermons to cover this topic. But really, there were books thicker than the Bible written just on this topic. There is just so much to learn and some of it is really, really exciting. You know? Actually, I think most of it is pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, so no one ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. And that's because God is so more complex and advanced than us. Yeah. There's always so much to learn, so much more to know. It's like learning to play an instrument. Even once you've mastered it, you know, all the things, there's still so much more you get out of it. So much more to come. And of course, God helps us under the Bi- understand the Bible through the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit can only tell us what we can cope with at that time. Just like we can never eat all the food we need for the rest of our lives in one sitting, Scripture is like that. And I don't know about you, but I love eating. And I would hate to think that I only had one chance to learn everything or eat everything I wanted to at one time. And that's going to last me for the rest of my life. Um, so there's always so much more new and better stuff to come when you study the Bible more. I'm just wondering, you know, like, uh, what does your dad value and how do you know that? You know, and usually we know what our dad really highly values is if he just keeps talking about it over and over again. <laughs> you know? Or that's where he spends a lot of his time you know, with. And certainly that's the case with, with the Bible and with God. All right. And so the things that matter to God get a lot of mentions in the Bible. And so one of the things that you see over and over in the Bible is God reminding us that he feels responsible for us as Lord, as God, as King, as Father, that we are his people, we are his family, we are his 
responsibility. And so God always acts continuously to reach out and to bless us. Yeah. And just like we don't need to know everything about our dads to know what's important to them, we don't need to know everything about God to understand what he values and sees as it's important. Now, in addition to how God has acted for humanity, the Bible has been the instruction and inspiration for humanity to keep changing and improving life for all. It has brought so much love and positive change and keeps doing that. Particularly in valuing and redeeming the people judged as unimportant, not nice and not quite right. But we also have to admit that the Bible has been used to justify horrible things that is inconsistent with God and his dream for the kingdom. Slavery, the Crusades, apartheid, opposition to gun control even, neglect of single mothers, you know, and discrimination and violence to those people judged as unimportant, not nice and not quite right. And as Christians, we have a lot to apologise for for what is done in our name. And a lot of these acts, unfortunately, have been done by people who have sincerely and passionately trying to follow God. So how did they get the Bible and God so wrong? The problem was they thought God was uncomfortable with and hated the same things they did. Too many people use the Bible to say that God thinks what they think. Yeah. They've created God in their image. However, God and the Bible doesn't consistently agree with them. I'm just going to show you three things and I want you to think about the first thing that comes to mind when you see each of them. What does this mean to you? Some answers? Okay, sorry, sorry, what did you say? Oh, okay, yep. Jail? Jail. Windows? Windows. Collingwood. Collingwood. (laughs) Excellent. That's good. All correct answers. What does this mean to you? Okay, a family? Yep. Inside or outside? Anyone say outside? Because there are a number of people in the world who actually look at that and say it's outside. It's a tree, someone's wearing, you know, got a, carrying a box on their head, as they do. <laughs> this third, what does this mean? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> we all see the world differently. We all have different filters, you know, based on our family, how we've grown up, our own personal experiences, what we've been exposed to, who we've been exposed to, you know, what we've read, what we've had to face. All of these affect how we see the world, you know, and make sense of it. We see through these filters 
And so when we are surprised that someone reacts differently than us, it's because we've forgotten they have different filters than us. Now, those of you who managed to get hold of a handout, that's pretty cool. Alright, um, this is a, a trick where you, you kind of like close your left eye and with your right eye you focus on the cross that's there. Now, it's going to be hard for those of you without a handout, but the idea is that if you move the page backwards and forwards, eventually with the right eye focus on the cross, you'll find that the elephant disappears. Alright, so just have it straight in front of you, left eye closed, right eye on the cross, focus on that, move the page, hit back and forth and the elephant disappears. I've got some nods. I have some nods. Great, good, good, good. That's a good, always great for a Pentecostal preacher to, to have that uh, happen. Alright. Because this is a demonstration of where your blind spot is in your vision. And blind spots are things we don't even know we are not seeing. Naomi often tells me at the end of the day that uh, I am um, wearing my underwear the wrong way out, inside out. Um, she also tells me about the things, about news about refugees because I sometimes fail to notice them. And by the way, did anyone notice there are two R's in that, you know, that we are, are not seeing up there as well. <laughs> Every generation, every human has blind spots and filters. Soon after coming to Australia, I got invited to a party. I was asked to bring a plate. (laughs) My mum, being smarter than I am, says, you should bring some cutlery because obviously they don't have enough. And that's why they're asking you to bring a plate. (laughs) There's a lot more to understanding anything about people or ideas of a different culture than just understanding the words and the language. The Old Testament of the Bible is written in Hebrew. It is written in ways that made sense to the people of that time that lived there. The New Testament of the Bible was written in Greek, written in ways that made sense to the Jewish and the Roman people that lived at that time. Reading the Bible is kind of like having a time machine, you know, and going back to different times in human history. The Old Testament was written between 1400 BC uh, well, yeah, 400 BC to 450 BC. You know, so that's imagine travelling to say 1352 BC to the time of Tutankhamun. How similar to your normal week do you think their life was like then? Or 480 BC is is the time of the Spartans. 300. This is not Sparta. Um, <laughs> You know, again, different times, different places. Or even 33 AD where they used to still execute you know, criminals by putting them up on a cross. And the earliest English version, the earliest main English version of the text is the King James Version. 
And that was written in 1611. It was written in ways that made sense to the people, the English people, that lived at that time. Just want to play a short clip. That I neither feel how she should be loved nor know how she should be worthy is the opinion that fire cannot melt out of me. I will die in it at the stake. Thou wast ever an obstinate heretic in the despite of beauty. That a woman conceived me, I give her thanks. That she brought me up, I likewise give her most humble thanks. But that I will have a recheat winded in my forehead or hang my bugle from an invisible baldric, all women shall pardon me. Because I will not do them the wrong to mistrust any. I will do myself the right to trust none. And the fine is, for the which I may go the finer, I will live a bachelor. Okay. Um, how well did you cope with that bit of Shakespeare? <laughs> All right. Anyone understand that? <laughs> I had a lot of trouble understanding it. Naomi coped easily with that. That's one of her favourite... Well, it's based on one of her favourite films. <laughs> you know. Uh, but certainly... The point is, that was written about the same time King James Version Bible was written. She's using the same language then. So, when we approach the Bible and we think about the language, the customs, you know, the laws, the attitudes embedded that's in there, right, it's important to realise that those were written to different times than us now and that we are culturally far away from where they are. We are all foreigners when it comes to understanding the Bible. Not everything will mean what we think it means. Even though we know the meaning of the words and the language used, we have different filters and blind spots than they did. Like going to a different country or talking to someone else of a different culture, we have to do the job of interpretation or exegesis to get the most out of the Bible. And another reason why we need to be careful about interpreting the text is that we're not as mature as God is in all areas of our lives. With maturity comes better skills and abilities and opportunities. With maturity comes better ways of knowing how to do things and imagining even better ways of doing things. And this applies to us as individuals, as the church, as society, as humanity, as every generation. There is no one golden age of humanity that we should be striving to return to. With each generation, there were newer possibilities and greater things. Growth isn't linear though. Anyone who's had a baby with sleeping habits can certainly attest to that. You know, there's always ups and downs, but hopefully it's in the upward trend. So I want you to repeat after me. The Bible does not consistently agree with me. Okay? The Bible does not consistently agree with me. The Bible does not consistently agree with me. We need to keep reminding this to ourselves when trying to understand the Bible because the Bible doesn't support everything we think right now. Because if it did, we'd just be like God. And that's exciting 
Because there's so much more we can imagine. Because God has a greater imagination, a greater vision and reality of existence for us. Yeah. If life is tough for you right now, God has so much more to offer to you. And if life is going well for you right now, God has so much more to offer you and the people around you. The ultimate purpose of the Bible is to change our lives, all of humanity's lives. And there's always room for change. And certainly there's lots of tragedies that are happening now at the moment in the world and we know that there is lots to change globally as well as personally. Therefore, there's always so much to learn and that's exciting. Now the third vision or the third key for interpretation is that of correlation. How do the other verses support each other? And you probably know that the Bible isn't just one book but a whole library of books of all sorts of different kinds. And all of these books have beginning, middle and end. And things always make more sense if you know where they are in the actual Bible. All the ideas of the Bible build on top of each other. Just want to play an... Oh, what's going on there? Oh, don't know? Okay. Um, We're going pretty close to the end there. (laughs) Um, Yes, excellent. Good, 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 good. Um, just going to play a trailer for a Disney movie. Next. Might pump up the volume a bit. <laughs> you know, most people who disappear into the mountains want to be alone. Nobody wants to be alone. Except maybe you. I recommend we remove all magic. To be safe. What have you done? Kill Elsa. Why didn't they release this version of the trailer? Um, everything is still from that movie. Context matters. All right. Grabbing bits of a movie and putting them together differently than the original writers intended can change what we think about what the movie's about. And that's the same about the Bible. Where every verse is matters. It's important not to treat the Bible as just a jar of jelly beans where you just grab a few verses out of it and see what you end up with. You know, having lots of unrelated verses makes it hard to really understand what God is about, what the Bible is about. We need to use and read chunks of the Bible, not sound bites at random. 
The more you read of a continuous section, the better you understand it. The bigger chunks you get of the Bible, the, you know, the more you're, you understand it, the less that you're going to misunderstand it. You know, and that's the reason why I chose a whole sequence of verses in Ephesians at the start. You should always be suspicious of sermons, Bible studies, that just grab verses from all over the Bible without looking at the context in which they come from. Don't make an assumption of what a verse means until you always read the context. And this is the reason why the Bible has been used to justify terrible things that are out of character with Jesus and God is because people have tried to find verses that support what they believe rather than let the Bible tell us what we should believe. Right? That's the difference between exegesis and another word called eisegesis where we start with an idea and let's find the verse, verses in the Bible that might support that. And unfortunately, a lot of stuff in Christian bookshops is exactly that. The Bible is a thick enough book with lots of words and sentences that we can basically find any verse to support any idea that we want if we just grab it without context. And so it's important to see that without context we can con with text. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it took me a while because I'm a dad now. I've got to get these jokes right. The Bible does not consistently agree with us. And I think we've kind of run over time so I probably should finish about there. I was actually going to demonstrate um, a, a study in which I'd go like, oh, today's Father's Day. Let's work out how Jesus would celebrate Father's Day. And those of you who have notes uh, can actually see what I've done there. Um, and the reality is that God has a much greater vision of family than we often do and that Jesus would be promoting something bigger than our vision a limited vision of what we think Father's Day is about at this stage. Um, but as I said, I'm glad that I've got another part two to follow up on interpreting the Bible. Um, but please be assured that the Bible can be approached simply as well as deeply. But I just want to make it clear that often we can get the Bible wrong just because we're not letting God speak to us through it, rather we try to find things that we want in there. And remember, you know, um, in terms of my benediction for today, is just Ephesians 1, 17 to 19 again. And that is that I always ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, um, the glorious, (laughs) sorry, yeah, that's right, it's up there, yeah, Um, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You know, And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
And this is an amazing promise here. So that you may know the hope that which he's called you to. The riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints and of his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen.